And do you have the stuff to do that? Oh, yeah. I'll just say you are listening to the Valiant 33 podcast with Mike and Stu. Yep, that works. You are listening to the Valiant 33 podcast with Mike and Stu. Stu, Stu. MLS, 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 MLS. Come on, Stu. MLS, MLS, MLS. We did it, buddy. We got that shit. It is MLS Next Pro. What? It's MLS Next Pro. What does that even mean? So it's a stupid name for one, um, but that doesn't matter. United Soccer League isn't great. MPLS Pro isn't great. NISA isn't great. The professional league associated with MLS, which is Major Major League Soccer, I almost screwed that one up, and their academy. It's the step up from their academy system, which is MLS Next. So let's just go over a little bit of what we know so far. So. Much to everyone's disappointment, there isn't a current plan for promotion or relegation, but if you've been paying attention to USL or NISA, there isn't really a plan for that in either of those leagues either, even though they talk about it. Well, yeah, so NISA is the only league that's come out and say and and said that we're definitely planning on doing pro-rel, but they need to get to 20 teams. You need to have enough teams below that to do pro rel with. And with the rate of teams that they're leaking right now, I don't see that happening anytime soon. I know USL has played around with the idea of League One and Championship doing pro rel, but they said they're just going to be talking about it. So there's no real plans to do that either. And then MLS is never even like they're pretty plain with how they feel about pro rel, which is a hard no. So I guess. You don't even have to entertain that idea with them. Yeah. When you have a team coming in with Charlotte FC next year, paying $350 million, the Saudi government just bought Newcastle United for, let's just say, a fairly similar amount of money. And that's a team that's existed for over 100 years. So Pro-Rel isn't going to happen in MLS. It may happen in other leagues. That's great, but... I mean, we don't really need to explain to people why pro rail is not going to happen. Yeah. It's pretty obvious. So, And it's fine. It's fine because like me and you both watch Indian Super League, and that's a closed league uh, that pretty much operates the same as MLS, and we, we love that league. Yeah, and it's, as I think we've said in the past, it's one of those things that's great when you have an established league, but... The reality is for 85% of the teams in a league, it doesn't matter because you're either at the top, you're not getting promoted, or you're mid-table and not going to get relegated after the first 75% of the league happens anyway. 
So it doesn't really affect most teams most years. It's just kind of that that white elephant that everyone wants to attach themselves to as, oh, this makes us a real league. And eh, it's great if it happened, but I don't think it's going to greatly affect a lot of fans. And having pro-rel doesn't necessarily mean you have an interesting league. There's plenty of leagues that have pro-rel that are boring as shit. And there's plenty of leagues that don't have it that are super exciting. So it's not a silver bullet to make people suddenly care about soccer in America as a whole who already don't care about it. Exactly. So going back to kind of what we learned today, there's going to be 21 teams in for next year with RNYFC being the only independent one. Eight existing either USL League One or championship teams from MLS2 are coming over. Eight more teams are coming in 23, with four of those being League One or championship teams at the moment. Part of the delay, in my view, for those eight teams is also how late this was announced. We just know with our sources that R&Y wanted to announce in September, then October, then November, and MLS kept on pushing it back. A lot of these players' contracts had to be signed by a certain date, so that could have forced them to play in the USL. Some of the reports that are coming out was like Charlotte, for example. They want to concentrate on their MLS team, year one, first. They don't want to be having a Division Three team. So what I what I would like to see with these two teams, and I'm not sure this is going to happen, but I would like them to kind of relocate the two teams to a smaller adjacent market and possibly even rename them. We've said before, uh, Sporting Kansas City 2 used to be Swope Park Rangers, something like that. Uh, Seattle Sounders 2 team is Tacoma Defiance. So I, I feel like they do have an opportunity to kind of reach in, reach their tentacles into smaller markets surrounding their major MLS market. And it does make the league sound a little bit better to say. The one big interesting thing that I took away from this announcement is that Montreal does not have a two-team in this league, which, well, two things. Number one, at first I was I thought they're running scared. Saputo called them in sick from school because they heard the bully was back. But then second was they're probably joining CPL. If they're not, this is like a... Um, What's the word? Another word for clue. Assumption? Hint? Yeah, this this is like a, a little clue that they're not going to um, be doing MLS, all the troubles they got up in Montreal. They're probably headed for uh, their own domestic league. Yeah, and I don't, even, I don't think they were on the list of 20 teams coming in 23 either. No, they weren't. Just as a, a warning, even though we've already... We're 10 minutes in. Um, during this episode, we're going to refer to any MLS-owned or affiliated teams as two teams. Um, that's because, like, you have New York Red Bulls, two. They're the team that's in the USL Championship. Baby Bulls. It's, it's, yeah, Baby Bulls. Um, I, I actually, I know we're not going to go into this, and this may not make the final, but in Formula One, there's a Red Bull team, and there's another team underneath them. Yeah. And they're... Their second team is called Alpha Tori, which is 
a brand of clothing that Red Bull apparently makes now. And that would be awesome if in 23 we were playing Alpha Tori. It used to be um, Toro Rosso. Yep. I saw that because then because I, I was watching that uh, documentary. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Toro Rosso, that just means Red Bull in another language. Like, what are they doing here? And then I looked it up. And th- yeah, essentially, it was like how uh, Juventus has their U- Juve U23 team in uh, Serie C in Italy. And I'm not sure on the rules, but I can't imagine they'd be allowed to get promoted. I think it's just a blank spot. But that would be essentially the Juve U23 teams making it up to Serie A. And then Juve and Juve U23s are in the top flight. Going back to what we know, um, the plan is for Division Two status rather quickly. They're starting out Division Three. Um, the, the big area there is that I think U.S. Soccer Federation requires has some requirements on stadiums and other issues that may affect teams, as, especially when they're trying to start in still a pandemic. The plan is for RNYFC to return to the U.S. Open Cup, which they'll probably be the only MLS two team or MLS next pro team to enter because the two teams aren't eligible. And there's a 24-game season with some weird wording around that that you may not potentially get 24 games, but it's up to 24 games. I'm sure in the next couple of weeks we'll figure out what that actually means. Barty has said that he wants to sign players from U.S. and abroad. He's hinted at MLS Next players getting a chance. He didn't specifically say anyone from Empire, but he did say, hey, there's some players who are good enough. Um, We may have some surprises, I guess. Well, I know of one player they already signed, and uh, he was at the uh, press conference today. <laughs> one, of, one of our buddies in uh, North Star Ultras was at the press conference, and the news was there, and they thought he was a player, so they interviewed him. So I, I, I've been refreshing the fuck, uh, Spectrum News, trying to see his face. <laughs> they put him in there. <laughs> I but- love it. He's never going to hear the end of it either. Yeah. I hope they, I hope they list him as a keeper because he's, he's so short. Yeah, that would be amazing. Um, I don't know why that's so <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me that they thought he was a player. Uh, okay. Keep going. So, so. <laughs> Sorry, I keep laughing. Uh good yeah no, i'm good i'm good I promise. <laughs> so what are some of the benefits to mls next pro um clearly not the name because but no one no one i think ever likes any names for anything oh yeah people i i feel like um especially since the rebrand i've realized that the 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 natural state of the human being is just to bitch about anything you can bitch about and change. Change is terrible. I will say, I don't think I will ever like the logo. The logo is garbage. The MLS Next, Next Pro, Pro logo. Okay. Yeah. The MLS Next logo is fine. MLS logo is fine. MLS Next Pro looks like someone is having a stroke while designing the logo. And then they're just like, last breath, they just press send and they're like, well... Must be it. <laughs> he just said, "Fuck it, we'll do it live." 
Well, I think I'm I'm hoping that it's just the word mark um, logo. It's not the actual like the jerseys. I'm assuming will have the logo on the sleeve. I don't think that's the one that's going on. But who knows? I mean, I, I at, at the at the end of the day, I, I don't give a shit. It, yeah, it, it, it. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the Rhinos. I'm not a fan of the MLS Next Pro. But yeah, I'm a fan of having a pro team that isn't running uh, Ponzi schemes. So. Well, yeah, but uh, so I'll just say how I feel right now. I am disappointed that we didn't go USL Championship. I feel like that league has the coverage and the following that obviously MLS Next Pro doesn't have. And I, it's such a long, you just call it MLS 2. I mean, Rochester, New York Football Club plays in MLS Next Pro. Say that five times fast. It's, it's, a, lot of, it's, a, it's a lot of words. But, <laughs> but it, it's just a little frustrating for me because it feels like we're always having to start over with this team. Like we, we can never get to a point where we're in something established that's on the go and already doing established. Well. Yeah, it's already doing well. Um, which fine, whatever. I mean, it, there's different reasons for different things, but it just feels to me as a fan like we're just always barely missing the party. Like we either leave too early before the keg gets there, or we show up to the wrong house. But I, I I'm choosing to be positive about this league choice i'm choosing to assume that it's going to be better and when games are starting to be played probably not even going to care anymore just because they're out there and playing and it's and then now we're amongst it so so i'm going to go over some of the benefits to mls next pro um so there's there's no real stadium requirements because when but the reality is for most of these teams they're gonna having 500 people at a game is gonna be amazing for them. So what that means is that the startup cost for R and Y is that much lower. We now know that they're playing at MCC, which is great. Um, it helps with the parking issue, helps with the field. There's they already play they already play soccer there. Um, players are going to be staying on campus, which helps just everyone because they can literally just walk a half mile and be at the stadium. In the apartments, they have apartments there, so it's not dorm rooms or anything like that. They they have campus apartments that they're staying in that are empty right now. Yep. And the other benefit I think that may be more difficult, but the players can hopefully get get an education as well. Doing doing spring and fall might be difficult because they're going to be coming in a little late and leaving a little early, but there's definitely a summer period where they should be able to have some flexibility. Food's going to be food trucks, which has its own issues, but hopefully they'll have a few guys who are just like, I made 200 hot dogs before the game, come and get them, vendors, and everything isn't just artisanal (laughs) mac and cheese. (laughs) Come get these wieners. Um. We know it, that makes 22 easier. Um, we still want a dedicated stadium with 5,000, 8,000 seating in the next few years if we can support it. And we can see how MCC works out. Yeah, I think that's a reason why they're choosing MCC is because they probably want to test out that area of town and see how well it draws. 
go play at MCC. You have all the parking you want, like you said. You're going to have extra seats brought in. And just see how that location does. And if it does really well, you know, don't go too far from there when you build a permanent stadium. Our, our perfect location for a stadium was one exit north in the North Winton Monroe area. So this is a, there's two highways right next to it. It's no one can ever say, oh, it's too hard to get out there because it's central to everything in town. And nobody can say there's nothing to do around there after the game or before the game because they literally have one of everything in Henrietta. Exactly. And right across the street, there are there's bars, there's food, there's there's everything you could want. Yeah, we could go to Tally Ho after the games. I was going to say TJ Fridays, but uh, I don't know if we want to. Well, mine's a, strip. Our... Oh. mine's a strip club. So. <laughs> That's better. Um, one of the other benefits to MLS Next Pro is that it, there should just be lower costs. So there are 21 teams. They're playing regionally in divisions. So it's going to basically be bus rides, which helps tremendously over NISA or League One. MLS is also allowing independent teams, which there's only one, to have more home games. No one's going to be upset that TFC2 is losing a few home games, for example. The short travel distance also helps with fan travel, which if if it's all all the games are drivable or take a coach bus somewhere, that's huge. Not just, you know, for us personally to be able to go to the games away, but it helps with building, you know, a real community around the team that supports the team to where you can have fans to go. Because that's the, the big problem in this country is all the cities that have teams, most they're so far away. And I know me and you can't afford to buy plane tickets. Most people can't. It's got to be driving distance or fans aren't going. Even in USL, that was a problem. The closest team was Pittsburgh, which is still a four or five hour drive. So unless you're dedicated to making that trip on a weekend, you're not just going to go. And, and you could say the same thing about this, like going to Boston or going to New York City or even going to Toronto is still a few hours commitment. But when you know that every team that you're playing is drivable, you're much more likely to get on that roll and like, let's go to everyone we can. Let's keep going. Make a weekend of it. So leave right after work on a Friday, show up to the hotel at whatever o'clock, go to the game on Saturday, come back Sunday night. For me, that would be a lot more fun than driving down at 8 a.m. to go to Pittsburgh to watch a game and then drive back that evening or try and figure out a hotel in some crappy dorm or something. Yeah, that's something that um, we can try and organize ourselves. I mean, I know a lot of um, clubs, my pen stopped working, a lot of clubs do that type of stuff. Like they'll help organize things, like they'll have a, a designated bus, and then if people don't want to take it, they can go their own way. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that, that would be nice to see is some type of club involvement with helping to organize. Like, you know, there's a bus, you throw in X amount of money to ride it. We're leaving at this time. You guys can be put up here or find your own place. And then it leaves, you know, the next morning. 
that would be yeah. a, a cool thing. Yeah, exactly. I, I think everyone's kind of itching to travel, and if the club can make it a little bit easier, and especially for weekend trips, you don't have to care about having a car in a lot of these cities, then getting bus there and should be fun. Yeah, it um, shouldn't. It, it, I'm not saying that they're supposed to do that stuff, but if you look at all the big clubs, not just—I mean, not here, but like in the world—they typically do that sort of thing. They make it as easy as possible for their fans to get to an away game. I'm not saying it should be free, but if they want to make it free, that's awesome. But um, it, it's something moving forward that I would put on a list of things that they should do. It, yeah, it's it shouldn't be um, get the ticket yourself. And then, yeah, as you were saying, like Europe, it's if you get a ticket, we will help you with here's where to stay. Here's group rates and all that other fun stuff. Because they're, they're going to be staying in hotels or somewhere that adding adding additional people is just going to make it that much easier for them anyway. There is, inf- like, we don't have the same infrastructure of transit here, especially like in New York, out where we are, compared to, say, England, where they have trains that go all over the country, and you can pretty much just take trains to the games. Uh, we do have Amtrak. Um, Which is shit. But, yeah, but I don't know how well that would line up with this the game time schedule, because they don't run... You know, every hour. It's, it's the the problem with Amtrak. It's great. It's not even great. I, I took it a couple of years ago to go to New York City, and it was fine. It was, but the problem we ran into was that you don't save any time. You just save that you don't have to drive. And the problem we ran into was that because the tracks aren't owned by Amtrak, they're owned by shipping companies. If a tra- if a U- UPS train comes in, you have to pull over. And let the other one buy. Mm. But buses are fine. Buses are fine and easy. And I would think that we we should be able to get an additional bus. Or the, the team should be able to get an additional bus. And we have the bus station downtown. So mm-hmm. we already have a, a transit hub of that variety that we could probably take advantage of. But, you know. We don't need to make the whole podcast about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll probably want to cut some of that. Um, so the one thing we haven't mentioned yet is, well, we, we mentioned a little bit, was this could potentially lead to MLS eventually. We've already talked a ton about the loaning system, and we're probably going to talk about it a lot more in the next couple months. If attendance is great year one, if they find a couple gems and can sell a couple players at the end of the year for a couple hundred K. I could see them making the move. We've already talked about Montreal. They may be leaving and how great would it be to say, fuck you, go up to CPL. We're taking your spot. Same with uh, Salt Lake. Uh, Salt Lake franchise is up for grabs ish. And, and we've talked in the past about Vardy playing and, he will play for the team, but I feel like he would prefer to play in an MLS versus MLS Next Pro. Could we maybe rent a franchise for a year or two and see how it goes? I mean, probably. Like if if Montreal wanted to pawn their franchise to us. I mean, that's kind of how like 
it, most player like purchases, for example, like when if you buy a player for fifty million dollars, you're not giving the team fifty million dollars that year. You're giving it over like five years or something. So I, I, I think that could be a possibility where we buy ML, the Montreal franchise for two hundred mil or whatever, but it's over ten years. Well, we don't even know because they didn't say anything about independent teams and their possible path to getting an MLS franchise. Um, so. Yeah, they, they didn't say anything specifically. That's, that doesn't mean that it was whispered in, you know, the Dorkin's ears. I'm just hoping that when they do find a spot for this permanent stadium, that they don't again build it with MLS specifications and aspirations in mind. I'm hoping that they kind of saw the mistake of what happened with the downtown stadium with that. But that's also dependent on whether that conversation ever happened, you know, ever really happened. If it was a solid, like, wink and a nod, then I guess go ahead. But I would say start slow. And at the end of it, yes, we're in MLS 2, MLS Next Pro. But it doesn't mean we're going to stay in it. Because if this league blows, I can't see us not switching leagues and was usl gonna do say no you can't join us anymore please yeah we don't know what happened to their rights i'm assuming they're essentially forfeited or they were sold to someone um for usl but i think the biggest news from this is that a new mls league was launched in rochester new york and that's a big that's a big fucking deal and yeah, it's not the MLS we all wanted in the '90s, but we're still a big deal. And I think I think we need to make sure we don't forget that. Well, listening to the radio today, around the time of the press conference, I was switching channels, the local sports channels, just regular talk radio around here. Everybody was talking about it. Some more informed than others. The local sports people knew that it was the Rhinos rebrand, and they were talking about you know, the stadium situation, all this stuff. But then even on just like the bullshit afternoon drive, not non-sports shows mentioned it. Um, and something interesting about that was one of them thought that RNYFC existed alongside the Rhinos because they brought up the the um, Rhinos reboot show. They're like, isn't that the team that's doing the, the Netflix show? They're like, no, it's a different one. That's the Rhinos. So I found that particularly interesting because i feel like the rebrand in part was to achieve that to say we're not doing the same old thing we're not you know we we are the rhinos but not the rhinos anymore and it was just interesting to hear that finally because online all the bullshit i read is oh it's not the same team you uh, you rebranded you lost all your history and it's from that part of butthurt and then <laughs> on the other side is these people who don't have any investment in sports at all, they're just, you know, a goofy show and they think it's a whole new team. So it, it was just interesting to me to see that finally happen for better or worse. I don't know if that's good or not. It's, I, I think that's good. I'm going to get into that in my, in the wrap up, but I, I think that's good because if we can get away from the baggage of the team, that's that's benefit for everyone because frankly most of the baggage is two and a half owners ago so why keep it around 
So the other aspect about MLS Next Pro that I actually found quite interesting is it's being used as a training ground, and obviously lower division soccer is a training ground for players. But they're also talking about using it as a training ground for front office staff, coaches, refs, etc. They're, they're bought into it completely. They're going to try new things here. Um, doubt that we're going to a multi-ball situation next year where in the 60th minute, two balls are on the field. But something <laughs> better than ending the playoff games on penalties would be wonderful. Um, they, have, they did legitimately say, we still have to talk to FIFA about this. About this. But there will be, they're going to try different things. And I think it is important for them to bring up that, hey, we're, this is development for refs too. I think any of the things that they change are going to be super minor. Like now it's just commonly accepted that the, uh, the ref puts down the whipped cream lines on the field. That started in MLS. They just, they invented that. And then now the world uses it. I'm thinking it's going to be along that vein of innovation and not, you know, in extra time, there's no rules anymore. I, I, I think, I hope that they do something about playoffs because I feel like that's the 15-minute the, the halves and then penalties is just no one likes that. I mean, even if you win, you're still like, you're relieved. You're not excited. But yeah, I think they're, they're going to try some some crazy things like that. We've seen on their website that they've, or on the RNYFC website that they've mentioned things about VAR. I don't know if they're doing VAR next year, but there could be some things with that that they try here, or that they try in MLS Next Pro rather than forcing that just into the, wherever they're trying that stuff. I think the Asian Federation is trying a bunch of like automated offsides this year, for example. If MLS two decide, I'm just calling it MLS two. If MLS yes. two decides to implement VAR, and maybe they try new things, or maybe they just say no, we got regular VAR that MLS has. It'll just be a a good look for the league, because then we can all bitch about VAR like Division one okay. team fans get to bitch about VAR. Yeah, would. Well, frankly, MLS I think is doing VAR the best of any league in the world right now. Absolutely. Italy used to be the best one at it until this year, and they're just off the wheels. I don't know what they're doing over there. Premier League got a little bit better with the fat lines thing, yeah. but also the the pubic hair offside thing doesn't exist anymore, which is good to see. I'm just hoping that if they want to tinker with it, go, and I don't praise the NFL that much, so this is a big deal. When the NFL does it, is they put the call on the field two tiers higher than the review. So if it's close, tie goes to the runner. Just go to whatever the ref call on the field was. There was a, a game this past weekend in Italy. They took five minutes to do a VAR review. If you have to take more than 20 seconds to see if something's wrong, just defer to the call on the field. And that that's how it should be. But yeah, there's honestly the biggest thing they could do with VAR is say no slow-mo. It, it can't be slow-mo. If it's slow-mo, then it's not whatever you think it is. It's not that. It's whatever goes on the field because you can make anything slow-mo look like 
the worst attack you've ever seen. <laughs> like a and then you see attack. it in real time, and you're like, oh, okay, it's nothing. Yeah. So uh, I guess what are our? Th- I'm just going to start with what are th- what my thoughts are on leaving USL. Um, I don't think it's an, as apocalyptic as people are going to think and are probably making it out to be. It's easy to forget that when before MLS was really involved, USL was D3 and floundering. I mean, they had 13 teams or something crazy. And there's still a ton of turnover in USL championship. Four teams folded in this year. Yes, the pandemic kind of affected that a lot. One went to League One. The biggest statistic is of the 31 teams that competed in USL Championship this year, 13 have joined since 2018, 28 since 2014. Charleston and Pittsburgh are the only teams left in USL who existed before 2008. That's that's just not sustainable. You've essentially had 100% rollover. USL League One also hasn't been very successful. When it launched, they're talking about having 30 to 40 teams by now. I think they've got 11. Transportation costs are just killing the, killing the league. And one of the people from the Real Monarchs, the Real, Real Salt Lakes um, two team, said that they did the analysis and the difference between paying for a USL championship team and a USL League One team was $7,000. That, that's not sustainable. Why would anyone join a lower league other than it's $2 million versus 12 to join. So my main concern with this MLS two league is really just based in how well the other teams draw, which is awfully I'm looking at numbers here. The two teams like sporting KC two, Red Bull two, Atlanta United two, they're all triple digits. They're about five, six, seven hundred on average. Now you got Tacoma and Real Monarchs, who you just mentioned, who are four digits, about eleven hundred, twelve hundred. And that's not a lot. And I'm just worried that this league, from a fan perspective, might get a little stale if we're the only independent team in it for now. I know there's other ones coming in. As a fan, you need someone to fight, metaphorically and maybe physically. But you need someone to fight back. You can't just do all this stuff and have no pushback. Look what happened with Detroit and Nisa. They were the only ones doing anything. No other teams had fans. And they got bored and they left. They were too big for it. Now, I'm not saying we're too big for MLS 2, but from a fan perspective, maybe. Now you look at affiliated teams like Las Vegas, San Antonio, Colorado Springs. They're pulling in four, five, six thousand. Now we're talking. That's something, you know, we can work with. If we get that many people year one, that's fantastic. That is, we're on the money and we're going up, up, up. I can't see a scenario where we only pull triple digits. I just don't think that's going to happen. So being a four-digit team in a three-digit league, I, I'm just a little worried that maybe not from a casual fan perspective, but from a hardcore fan perspective, this is going to end up being a little lame. 
I think year one's going to be kind of lame. It, it, it's it'll be great being at home games. We'll we'll have the atmosphere that we've created at all the other games we've been to the last couple of years, but we're not going to have those. I remember, I think it was 2016. New York Red Bulls came and played the Open Cup game here. Yeah, it's 2016. They had their ultras come to a fourth round U.S. Open Cup game. It wasn't a ton of them, but they came and supported their team. We're, we're not going to get that from the Red Bulls to next year, 2023, when they actually join the league. But it is what we make it, and I think the momentum is behind Next Pro versus USL because just the money involved. MLS is the fifth richest league in the world. Their owners have the fuck you money to support a two team that could be competitive alongside what Vardy is doing, what the Dworkins are doing with, hey, we're actually trying to use these players as assets like the rest of the fucking world does. Why would we sign players to a one-year contract knowing that this player could be the best player in Division Two soccer, Division Three soccer in the world, but we have all we're doing is giving them a platform to succeed, which is great for that individual, but it doesn't help the rest of lower league soccer or the team to function, which is how soccer exists, how everyone is able to pay players. The amount they're paid is the fact that if one of your players just kills it out of the park and is a Division One player in a Division Three league, you can make money off of them and you can give another 10 players that chance to succeed. Right. Essentially what we've done is in the soccer wars between USL and MLS, um, we, we've chosen the side of the empire. We've put our money down saying, we think this is going to be the, the winning side. So we're throwing in with them. Yep. I, I, I don't, I don't really see a problem with that. So um, I know we've said a lot of bad things previously about LMLS, but I think it's going to be good. So there's a lot going against USL right now, but I'd rather go with the enemy we know than the friend who's been in a bender for the last six hours and now wants to drive us home. Planet MCC also completes a lot of the fixing of the issues that the 2017 Rhinos had. The first was location. That's not a problem anymore as we're in Brighton. Everyone feels safe there. There's tons of parking. There's no issues. The second is name. Everyone who wasn't a real fan of the Rhinos, you bring up the Rhinos, they talk about the ghetto stadium and all the other terrible negativity. Well, now we're RNY. We're past that. Now it's on to us to actually support them. So my final thoughts on this league announcement is that I don't think it really matters. And I say this wearing the glasses of what I think the club really is, or RNYFC really is, which is Vardy's V9 Academy after chugging six Red Bulls and a lip full of Copenhagen. I believe that this club really exists as a talent factory. So you sign players for a shot and you sell them back to Europe or you sell them to an MLS club. The league is just for other teams to play. And that's how it's going to be, at least at the start. Winning trophies is obviously nice, and it 
is the baseline of expectations here in Rochester because we've earned that shit. We've been winning them and competing seriously for them since day one. Our playoff appearance percentage is something insane, like 95 point whatever percent. Like we earn that shit. We're supposed to be winning. And that's the expectations from fans is that we win. I don't think that changes with this version of the Rhinos. But what does change, in my opinion, is the mission statement of the Rhinos from let's win as many division two or three league trophies as possible to let's win those trophies, but also be the main supplier of talent while doing it. So I guess next episode, we'll kind of jump into what we think that structure will look like, the club structure, the types of players that are going to be signed here. Hopefully we get a couple names dropped and how it all looks moving forward now that we know the league and who the enemies are. Also, I just realized uh, we didn't say anything about who we are or our uh, our names. So I'm Stu, you're Mike, and we're <laughs> Valiant 33. And, uh, uh, oh, shit, what's our sponsor? Good Shepherd's Brewery in Auburn is still the sponsor. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Probably put something at the start about Valiant 33. Um, we're gonna. Yeah, it's it. Mm-hmm.